0: Hey guys, episode two of Working Class on DeerCast. We are back. Uh, Clint Casper, what's up, brother? Thanks for joining me.
1: What's up, my man? Proud and my pleasure to be here. This is going to be awesome teaming up with all this, mixing it together.
0: And I'm uh, super stoked for what all we got going on. Yeah, so this is cool. Like this works good enough, the Zoom call. You were actually supposed to be at the WCB studio today. But, I was. Um, I was telling everyone you push it too hard and you hurt your knee. And so you're at home, uh, back in Ohio, but, um, you are a frequent guest on the normal working class bow hunter series. Uh, people love you there. You're enthusiastic. You're loud. You're kind of in everybody's face, but for people (laughs) in the deer cast community, if they don't know who you are or haven't seen, read your articles or anything like that, just explain who you are, what you do, where you're from, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, man. My pleasure. Yeah. Clint Casper, born and raised right here in Ohio, um, farm boy, Grew up here hunting whitetails and turkeys. That's uh, that's what we got here uh, besides small game. So no elk and mule deer for me to chase here in Ohio. But, uh, yeah, I cut my teeth on whitetails. Um, you know, still my first love as far as the bow hunting game goes is whitetails. Got two little boys. Easton's five. Keaton's two and a half. So they're just getting into it now as far as trail cams and, you know, going with me. And it's fun to have them, yeah. you know, join, kind of join the crowd, join the show and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, as far as me write full-time for Peterson's bow hunting. So it's been awesome to be able to, you know, be in the podcast world with you guys and a couple other different ones and then mm-hmm. do the writing full-time. That's always been a dream of mine. Um, grain farm with my dad and check gas and oil wells. Those are kind of like my day jobs outside of the, uh, the hunting stuff. But, uh, yeah, found a home with Peterson's bow hunting about five years ago, full-time and been with them ever since. So kind of living out a couple different dreams there.
0: You got to get it the way you can get it, man. Uh, I was going to bring up, you know, bring up the farming side of things because I know that's something that's going to come up as we have guests on different co-hosts and stuff is like people want to know I mean we don't need to hit it hard but like what you do from for a living or where you started from but I always call you on the normal working class series that you're the most western dude east of the Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah I definitely do like
1: to get I definitely do like to get after it out west I was uh Let's see. It was in Utah chasing muleys around for a week, come back home for a week and then went to Wyoming with you got to help you kill that great buck out there. And then went straight to Utah, chase the same big buck around for another seven days home here, trying to rest Mm -hmm. this knee up. And then next week, head back, uh, back out West to chase bugles around for the end of the elk rut. So stoked, man.
0: I worry about your knee.
1: I, well, I mean, I got some shots and I got some things going on. So hopefully that, you know, I've been here before. I injured it in Colorado a couple of years ago, packing a mule deer out. And that um, was
0: where that's where this whole injury stemmed from.
1: Yeah. Same knee, same deal. Yeah. Just, it's almost like I like hyper it, you know what I mean? And yeah. um, it, it's kind of one of those deals. Once you do it, you're sort of, you're yep. sort of right back in the same mix.
0: Yeah. I can see how that happens. Well, we're on deer cast. So I think we need to focus on whitetails as much as you love your mule deer and your elk hunting and all that. Absolutely. But- Tis the season tis the season especially next week we, we open yeah so missouri opened like as, as the, the time we're recording this a few days ago yeah um and there was some awesome opening day success in the Drury team um yep if you're on DeerCast, you've probably already seen that and seen it on yeah, DeerCast some 21. great bucks crazy so that's cool i told mark that uh the, the the wcb studio blessed him when he was in for episode one of the series so he's like <laughs> yeah you know um but no, let's talk about whitetails. You know, you are more focused on the eastern side of the Midwest, or you're not quite, I don't really consider you in the east, but right. I consider Pennsylvania the east, and you're not. I'm that like right there. on the edge. Right. You're right there. You're like, yep, you're still Midwest, but I, you know, it's right in there. So yep. right now, um, Ohio opens a little before, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit before, um, like Illinois and Iowa season yep. opener, which is October 1st. Yep. So what are you looking at right now? You know, we're focusing whitetails. I mean, right now people are getting excited. Velvet's off. Seasons are opening. Everyone's getting kind of like anxious for opening day. If it's not already open in your state, what are you doing right now to kind of plan for this early season? Whitetail vibe. (laughs)
1: Yeah, man. I mean, uh, anyone that knows me or is a friend of mine or has listened to me on the podcast or read the articles, I I love early and late, man. Patterns kill big deer, and I don't think there's any better time to pattern a buck, especially a specific buck you're hunting. Which every year I like to, you know, that's kind of the game I like to play. I like to have a buck or two that I'm going to go after. Usually, I've got history and sheds Mm -hmm. and that kind of deal. Um, So for me, right now, it's just all about putting those final pieces together. I mean, the couple bucks I've been targeting, I've been jotting down. I got a notebook every daylight picture. I go Mm -hmm. back through wind direction, moon phase, what direction he came from morning or evening. You know, I'm just trying to pinpoint where they're bedding, where they're feeding a big part of that game's wind direction. I mean, they live and die by that nose. Um, There's always a correlation between every big buck I've killed. There was a certain wind that it was almost, you know, he was always in daylight as on like that wind or a wind that was out of that direction. You know, whether it's a, southwest southeast but it was a south wind of some sort or you know whatever right. so i'm trying to figure that out right now
0: basically why. In on those early patterns yeah basically why he's moving when he does yep. on that like what's the reason for it what yep. you're trying to find basically the pattern of of why really yep.
1: yeah i mean and, and that's i mean i think a whitetail's best defense is that nose but i also think that's their biggest flaw and weakness too because if you can figure out why his nose likes a certain wind and you can hunt him on that wind. And it's all about hunting a buck on a wind. That's good for him. Not a wind. That's good for me or you, you know, you got to hunt a wind that's good for the buck makes him feel comfortable. If you can get in there and figure out how to hunt that wind, I mean, your odds and chances just go up. And then you pair that with like DeerCast and the weather app, as far as, okay, you know, you got a front coming in front coming out. You look at your, you know, barometric pressure that rises and falls. I mean, that's all helping you get a buck up on his feet. Yeah. But that main key ingredient, in my opinion is, you know, right there, man, they live and die by that. And as I know that's their best defense, but I think it's also their weakest flaw in their armor, because once you figure that out, like I said, that's, in my opinion, three fourths of the game is figure out what wind that buck likes on that certain piece of property or that farm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, you know, and that's going to really help you figure out bed feed transition area. You know, I mean that that gives you spots to kill him, man. Once you figure that out, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Do you think? Um, I kind of know the answer to this, but I just want to hear you elaborate on it. Do you think that the wind plays a bigger role early and late season rather than the block of pre rut, rut, and post rut?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, yeah. I think in the rut, honestly, I mean, if a doe decides if she's in heat and he's locked in and that's all his mind's on and she decides to run with the wind at her tail end, honestly, he's, he's going to do that. I mean, that's, they're not, you, you know, they're not thinking with that, that the right brain at that moment in time, whereas early and late, I mean, you know, it's crazy. I've had bucks coming in, the wind switches, and immediately they have they switch where they're going, what they're doing, to be able to quarter that wind and still allow that wind to help them. Yeah, I mean, I've had deer on their way to me. It's perfect. I feel the wind switched where I'm like, uh-oh, and mm-hmm. immediately they're like, yep, we're gonna turn course. They're still heading in the right direction, but they 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 made sure they quartered the wind to still allow them to know what's coming from ahead. Right, and that just wasn't the right deal for me in that moment in time. But I mean, you can you know, I've learned, i have just watching bucks. I've learned a lot by just seeing how that little shift shifts them too. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's thermals. I mean, you know, I mean a lot of that stuff plays a factor because I mean, like I said, they live and die by it, but if you can figure it out, you know, that's okay. where it's at, but early and late. Yeah. I think the wind's where it's at. And I think it's most consistent too. I mean, like I said, in the rut, you got so much chaos and patterns are kind yeah. of thrown out the window early and late. I mean, it's pretty much strict bed to feed, feed to bed, and that's kind of what they're doing. You figure that out, you got a good chance of killing one.
0: It's probably more, I don't know, I guess somebody could throw in the argument that the wind is probably more important for a deer late season when they're paranoid from all the pressure. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And smelling human, you know. Yeah. Hopefully you you put in as the least amount of human intrusion is possible during the season, yep. but they're, you know, just in general, they're on pins and needles. They've been, they've been through gun seasons. They've been shot at, they've, yep. you know, they've smelled people. There's four wheelers. I mean, just whatever neighboring pressure yep. it, it's, it gets like, it's gotta be chaotic for a whitetail during that whole time, you know, obviously, but yep. um, I like that. I like that. You brought that up, that, you know, you can watch a deer and the wind changes and, you know, it's nothing that you did as a hunter. You can't really help when that stuff happens, but if a deer has the power to know what's ahead of him before he gets there, oh, yeah. before he can see there, yep. why would he not put it into his advantage? Which I think if for me personally, when I started thinking more that way and thinking about the quartering wins, yep. um, you know, the, the wind works for the deer. I've killed a lot more deer consistently and quicker. Yep. Um, you know, it doesn't always work that way, but right. I feel like my consistency of success has went up easily 40, 50%. Um, in the last six years of doing the podcast and, and really a lot of that is not stuff I learned on my own. It's stuff I learned from guests like you and and, and some of our buddies, Chandler, Ross, Clark Cummings, you know, the, uh, Clark Cummings, one of the podcasts we did, he hit that home really hard about the quartering winds thing. And it was oh, yeah. like in my head, I'm like, I, n- I don't know why I never yep. applied it in that way. I always okay. knew about wind, but right. I didn't to actually use the wind, you know, yep. especially on a hanging hunt. Um, when you yes. go in and you're throwing up a stand to try and basically ambush or c- catch a deer off guard, you know, the first sit. Yep. that stuff's important.
1: Well, and I mean, it's like, it's like, if, you know, we use headlights in a car to see what's ahead, you turn our headlights off. Are you really going to want to drive a car at night? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> you have no clue what's coming up. Well, for right. a whitetail, I mean, that's what he's got. He's got that nose, you know, as whitetails get yeah. older, it's, it's a proven fact Vision starts to go just like a human hearing starts to go. That knows though, man, that's, that's there. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. thing only gets stronger and better. I mean, that's, that's what they've got to work with. You know, I mean, that is like, quote unquote, their headlight in the dark. I mean, so it's kind they of like want to be able power, to smell. To <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, they want to be able to smell, you know, if they can't smell what's ahead, there's no point of them going that direction. I mean, it's just, you know, that's just bred into them to be able to, you know, to do that and use their nose to their advantage. But like I said, that's also part of that armor too. that flaw, Mm. figure it out and you can go on, but yeah, I'd say that. And um, you know, trail cams are huge right now. I mean, just trying to figure out, you know, who's close to daylight. I mean, right now there's bucks that are going to maybe not be in daylight, but they're close and all you need is a cold front coming through or maybe the barometric pressure is going to really take a rise or really take a fall, just something to get that buck on his feet five yeah. minutes earlier. And now you're back in the game. So, I mean, I'm really paying attention to that, you know, and then you got crops coming off. Like right now we're chopping corn, you got beans turning Brown, you got egg corns, red and whites falling everywhere. Uh, apples are dropping Pears. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of food out there. So that's all shifting. That's all changing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the quote unquote October law. I mean, I'm, you know, a, that's a, controversial topic but i think that's what the law is is deer changing what they're doing feed wise and bed wise and it's not really a law it's just it's hard to keep up with what they're doing if you're not in the hot spot yeah it's gonna seem like there's no deer around because right now the hot food source is going to attract 90 percent of your deer herd i mean and then once it's gone they're moving to the next one whether cornfield gets cut or beans are coming off or whatever's hot it's where your deer are going to be because they know rut's coming winter's coming Right now, they got to pack on calories. Like those bucks know what's going on; they know what's coming.
0: Right, definitely. That makes sense, and yeah, the law thing—that's a—that's a whole topic for a whole nother episode. Oh yeah, and we'll do one on that. But I think a lot of it too, you know. Um, yeah, some people might not have that food source on their piece, right. and so they experience you're in trouble. Um, you're in trouble. But in trouble. I think there's a lot of guys that are aware of what the deer are on, but don't want to pressure a certain block of timber mm. and wait mm-hmm. for a higher a higher odds hunt than to go into where they're at in the timber, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, from my experience, I think they they feed really close to where they bed at that time of year. And yep. that's just why you don't see them. So, um, yep. and I get that, you know, I'm not, not always, I'm not saying never, because it just depends on the deer and the situation. Yep. Um, I probably wouldn't ch- trudge into a block of timber where I know the likelihood of me bumping a deer before I get a chance to get in on him before he knows I'm there. Is probably a lot lower during that time period than it would be the first section of the season before the lull. Um and before I think your your odds there are better than during the lull or after when it goes starts to become pre-rut time. So um yep. I don't know how you feel about it. If you are a guy that'll push in on timber when deer are in that different feed pattern or or if, if yeah, you Yeah, I mean
1: of- I mean I like to get pretty aggressive early just because um I like to try to take advantage of those patterns while I can usually the first couple weeks of our season, there's not a ton of corn and beans coming off. So that pattern does help us. Typically as you get into October 10th, October 12th, man, we're taking corn off, taking beans off. I mean, stuff changes so drastically then. Mm-hmm. And I really do push the envelope pretty hard early as far as I'm not afraid to, Hey, you know what, if I bump this buck now and I don't kill him, honestly, he was going to shift and change and probably be moving in the next week or two anyway on what was going on. So mm-hmm. I'm a risk taker. I mean, I'll I'll roll the dice and go in knowing that I've also got the rut. I've also got late season. But if I can get in on a pattern that's what, what I call a hot pattern, a pattern that definitely is there, I'm usually going to gamble on that. And, I mean, and sometimes it's, hey, I've had years it's worked out. You know, I mean, I killed my my best buck, my 191 extra. I killed him doing that. Um, that was a gamble, though. I mean, that yeah, was a what tight. What day was
0: that? What day was that?
1: September twenty. Let's see. I've been 2016. It was September 26th, opening night.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy. now, now mind you
1: that deer had been around previous year, kind of knew what yeah. he was doing. Um, found one, one, uh, let's see, found his left side, had a really good idea of where he was living, but come October 1st, 2nd, usually right around the end of our first week, he always transitioned. He always transitioned away onto the neighbors. So I was really mm-hmm. like, man, I'm going to hunt this buck hard and try to kill him in that first week just because I kind of have an idea what he's doing. If I bump him, I bump him. But typically what he was doing is, is he was actually moving around with feed. We farm on the neighbors. So, I mean, I knew once crops started coming off, there's an old apple orchard over there, Apples start dropping. It just, he always shifted that way. So my main deal was like, man, now that I kind of know what he's doing, I'm going to get in there and really hunt him hard. I'll be honest. I didn't, I mean, in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill him the first night. But I was really honestly shocked at 620, you know, to see him on his feet heading my way. Right. Um, that was the plan. I just didn't think it was going to come together on the very first night. You know, I'm happy it did. Like, you know, but yeah. uh, I really thought I'd get a crack in that first week. And that was kind of my hopes was to roll the dice. And I could have blown him out, could have bumped him. Um, but there again, though, you know, I think bucks circle back. I think they bed places for a reason. You bump a deer out. I mean, you know, honestly, a lot of times they're right back within 24 to 48 hours. I mean, and Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that I don't get real, you know, skittish about that. They bed there for a reason. Nope. It kept them alive. That's, that's its job. You know, I mean,
0: and that makes perfect sense, but I mean, how much, how much is too much you think? Cause I think, think, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I think I wrote an article for, um, deer and deer hunting on this a few years ago. And I mean, I I do think there's a point where a deer is going to be like, okay this is a constant thing. Like I'm always on pins and needles. It's the same. You know, this guy walks by me at a hundred yards every night, five nights in a row. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at that point you have intruded so much to where I I do think he's going to relocate just to get away from that factor. Um, but Hey, you bump a buck, give him a day or two and go back in. I mean, honestly, I mean, I've killed a couple bucks just like that, where in my mind, I'm like, gosh, darn it. But I'm like, okay, well, we got to regroup and go right back in. And I mean, you know, I've killed a couple. I mean, I know there's a lot of guys that, you know, feel the same as far as just, you can bump a buck and, and, you know, it's not like you, you chased them or you ran them down with your truck, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. and, and honestly, every day they're dealing with coyotes, they're dealing with dogs, they're dealing with people they're dealing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I said, do I want to walk by a buck at a hundred yards and shout and scream and let him know i mean obviously not but i mean i think they can handle more than what we actually think they'll handle yeah, as far sense. as pressure before they're going to blow out of the area and completely vacate almo- it to where yeah we're going to yeah. relocate now
0: there's almost a fine line between uh just the per- the baseline pressure that a deer lives with with all yes. those other variables and then yes. there's uh okay 10 days ago there wasn't clint casper running in here banging pots and pans and now for the last five nights i see clint casper yelling and i'm just tired of it i'm gonna move over here you know i Um, I, you know i don't blame you can't blame a deer for that you i mean no you always should be cautious but i get what you're saying too it's like once or twice you're probably fine um but don't be sloppy all the time and not that you're being sloppy it's sometimes you gotta do Certain things to get in to make a move on a buck. I mean, yep. every circumstance. We could go, we could do a hundred episodes on a different, different circumstance on where a buck beds versus your entry, exit, and all that stuff. But absolutely, um, I think it's always good to be cautious but calculated.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you've just gotta roll the dice and shoot your shot. I mean, and you know, yeah. waiting on that perfect scenario, perfect opportunity. Sometimes those never come, and you almost got to make an opportunity or make something happen. Mm-hmm. And there again, it's 50, 50, man. You know, he might walk in at 20 and you smoke him or you might blow him out and never see him. that. And I mean, you know, that's all part of the game, but that's what makes it fun. And that's what we all love to do is play that chess checker game. I mean, you know, that's what makes it fun with a big buck is playing the game.
0: Yeah, definitely. What, what are you looking forward to? I mean, do you have some deer that you're hoping to catch up with? I mean, Um, are you a guy that if you don't have big bucks on camera during the summer, are you kind of like, man, what's going on? Getting a little stressed or, or kind of where's Clint Casper's mindset right now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, typically every year I've got at least one or two bucks. Like this year I've got two bucks, a lot of history Mm -hmm. with, um, the one deer I've had sheds and pictures of four years. He's been an eight or a nine every year. The last two years, he's been an eight this year. I really think as a straight eight, he'll push. 160 maybe even maybe even a touch more i mean just oh, i've sent you some photos i mean yeah. just
0: oh that's the box. 23 yeah,
1: 24 yeah. wide i mean seven eight inch brows,
0: mm-hmm. 11
1: 12 inch twos and threes just big swooping beams you hey, know i mean
0: framing he's just yeah
1: he's, he's very frame. yeah he's just one of those bucks that when you see him you're just like dang that's a good one you know and then i got yeah. another one that's a non-typical um you know he should be a booner a lot of points probably 15 16 scoreable so those two bucks a lot of history with they're both six seven years old um mm. you know so i like playing that game but i'll be honest it's also kind of fun um to go into a season and not have a buck and just play the game and hunt and bounce around and run the trail cameras and just like it's like you're anticipating when's the night i'm going to bounce into a big buck and then okay yeah. now i'm locked in on that deer or maybe you just hunt you, you hunt you hunt you hunt the rut comes and now you're like okay When a buck comes in, that gets me going. Like I always do the the first look deal. You know, I've always got, it's it's the first look. Like I look at a buck and if I'm like, oh dang, grab your bow. It's a shooter. If I got to grab binos or think about it, it's just not a shooter for me. And that's just over time. I've just adapted that, but it is kind of fun to not, not have like a specific buck some years and just be like, you know what? I'm going to hunt until a buck strikes me as, oh shoot, grab your bow shooter. And and then yeah, hey, right. game on, you know, so yeah, yeah. it's fun to play both sides because it is it can be a long season and we all say, oh, it's so much, it's so fun to hunt one buck and it is fun, but it's also very discouraging. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of nights I'm hunting one deer, not yeah. seeing a deer, you know, I mean, I'm hunting yeah. a trail that he might take and he might be the only deer that's been on that trail for a week. But that's a trail, I, you know, or that's an yeah, yeah. area he's in long sits, long days. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's nice yeah. to mix it, but this like, year yeah. I definitely, I definitely got two. I'm, um, uh, yeah, definitely got two. I'm, um, I'm hoping to catch up with early. Um, we'll see yeah. that, uh, a big eight, man, you're, you're kind of the King of big eights. I I've got a, I got a 135 and a 148. And I mean, uh, a mainframe one sixty with a bunch of trash, but I don't have just a straight giant eight man and i, I, yeah. I it's gonna be hard for me to yeah i'll probably have to i'm probably gonna hunt him right off the rip man and just go
0: in yeah. i got an eight pointer that's just shy of 160 oh. and then i have a 155 inch eight pointer and they're so uh, big
1: in person so big in person they're just, just framey because oh, so there's man, not a lot
0: there that makes a score you know what i mean right you browse twos and threes and then yep and that's really it but yep. um Going back, you're saying like targeting a specific buck, how that can kind of change your mindset. It's like one you're always. It's almost like being in a really terrible relationship. Oh yeah, (laughs) because you never you some sometimes you never know where they are. They only send you a text picture of them every now and again. Yep, and then you're wondering if they're okay. Yep, and if they're gonna make it through so you can finally get your date with them. Yeah, I I don't know if I've ever made that analogy before. Kind of works. Kind of weird. No, I
1: mean, it, no, it really is. I mean, it, it is. Cause it, it's a, it's a weird, uh,
0: like you're you said, jeal- like hey, you're jealous if they're spending time on the neighbor's property. Oh
1: yeah. 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 Well, it's like they give you, they give you just enough to keep them coming back. Like you're like, Oh, she's at that bar tonight. I better go get a drink there. But then at the same time you walk in, you see her for 10 minutes and then she's out the door. You're gone. And it's like, I saw him in a bean field last night at 150 yards. Couldn't stalk him. Couldn't shoot him. I got to see him. Where's he been for the last eight days? Yeah. No pictures, no yeah. sightings. No, where's text. he at?
0: No, hey, good morning text. Nothing.
1: No, nothing, nothing. No good nights. It's just, that's
0: it. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's ridiculous. But like, it kind of works. But it is that way, you know, it's like if I get a deer on camera, there's one buck from last year I got pictures of uh, mid-o- mid-October all the way through shed season, and he hasn't showed up yet. Uh this yep. year. And you know, I'm hoping he shows up mid October again. That's just I think he's yep. he summers and spends the majority of his time on another property that's nearby. That's fine. Yep. Um, you know, come back to me. So I'm hoping he, I'm hoping he comes back mid-October and is just a slob, um, because he was last year. And i I think he'll be six and a half this year. Um, we'll see what he is. If you know, but I'm wondering, is he alive? When's he right. gonna reach out and say hello with the with the cell cam pitcher? Um will he spend enough time where I have permission to hunt to where I, yes. I can get a pattern on him or make a move on him or whatever. Yep. And yeah. So it's fun to have that. It's fun to have that in your mind. Like, dude, that'd be cool. Get all these trail cam pictures. I could target this one, but yes. it'd be a great story. Um, great memory. I have the trail cam pictures to kind of supplement all this, but it doesn't always work that way.
1: That's right. Very true. That's a good analogy. I like that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just made that up.
1: I like it. I like it. <laughs>
0: But that's what, you know, that's cool. That's the fun thing about deer hunting. Um, sometimes you get those opportunities. Sometimes a new buck might show up that I've never seen that's bigger and badder and um, yep. creates this whole complicated relationship dynamic, which is a good thing.
1: Yep. No, it is.
0: <laughs> it's a good hey. thing with you and your target buck to have a relationship dynamic.
1: I got to plug this in. Hold on one second.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's, he's plugging in his laptop. Clint.
1: was at a hundred percent and i just happened to look at it and it just flashed and it's down to 13 somehow wow her battery is shot i just looked at that i'm like holy shit i don't want this thing to freaking
0: good call that would have been bad
1: how yeah i don't know how it uh okay all right we're back
0: we're good we're back clint plugged in his laptop had to plug her in um but no i think that's uh the whole that analogy somehow works, but you know, but like you said, it's also fun to just go in without expectation at times. Oh Um, yeah. To me, when we talk about that, it reminds me of hunting when I was a kid, like before. And that was fun.
1: That's the funnest. That's honestly the funnest hunting. There is no expectations. You're just out there to have a good time. And even like if if it's Brown, it's down mentality. Like I miss that. I miss five points. Yeah. It's getting me. I mean, I can remember. First basket rack eight point I ever saw while in a tree stand bow hunting. I mean, you would have swore it was the state record walking in,
0: right? Well, yeah, that was fun. Like, I
1: I think back to that and I smile because that was like, that was such a pure, like, uh, pure and raw, just God, I love to be here. I love bow hunting. That's I don't love it now, but it's just, it's just different. It's different when you start to climb climb the bow hunting ladder. That's why I tell guys, enjoy it and Mm -hmm. enjoy being on those low kind of rungs, working your way up, enjoy shooting the does, shoot some small bucks. Like, I mean, Hey, get your yeah. feet wet. Enjoy it. Like it's, it's fun to be in those moments and be present in that you got your whole life, chase big bucks and hunt big, but like get yourself worked up to that level. I mean, I tell guys that all the time yeah, yeah. and enjoy it. Enjoy that stair step your way up.
0: I think that's really important, especially for, for kids that are in that like 10 to 15 range Absolutely. and, and becoming to where they're becoming independent bow hunters, you know, dad's going with them all the time because I went through that same growth. I thought it was really important. Um, you know, I killed a few deer with my dad when I was young and started little. I mean, I have them in the studio. I have my first buck, my first buck with a bow. I mean, my first buck ever is he, he's not a hundred inches. Yeah. And do I care? Nope. I have him hanging in the studio. I'm not ashamed of that at all. And then my first buck with a bow, um, You know, I had a few more years of hunting, and it was my third, second or third year bow hunting. Um, and I had this goal to just kill like a rackable type buck. You know, yeah. uh, you know, like a a good. He's an eight pointer with a broken three. I think he's like 120 with his broken point. So he'd probably been right at like 125, almost 130. Yep. I was ecstatic. That was a monster buck when I was 15 years old. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just it, you got to you know step up the ladder. um enjoy enjoy your evolution of bow hunting and and don't try to put yourself above like you know i'm not holding myself now to 180 inch standard by any means a good 140 walks in i start getting excited and and, but i'm also to that point now where i'm like okay i've shot a lot of those deer i've shot a lot of 140 150 mid 50s bucks and my wife hasn't said anything but i can kind of see it's like we're going to keep getting all these mounted like so i need to be in that 160 plus but i just i like to hunt and i get excited man i can't help oh, it. oh yeah <laughs> so no i get i i
1: get, get it a
0: studio now i can hang all them deer at so
1: that's right that's right you got a studio to fill up
0: i'll keep shooting them, oh, man
1: Heck yeah
0: <laughs> i love it thermature i'm in
1: if it gets a hey, if it gets the blood pumping man it's time to it's time to bend the limbs back
0: yeah exactly time to bend the limbs back but um, no, I mean, we covered a lot of good stuff talking about when and the patterns and kind of like hunting specific deer and all that. Um, just real quick. Are you, you're going to go back and, and go on your elk hunt. You're going to try it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't not hunt elk. I, I just can't.
0: Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I'm about you. to
1: take it a little easier. I mean, I'm going to have to be a little more cautious, a little more careful. And then, um,
2: still we'll got that
1: there. mule deer tag in my pocket and Utah. So I'll probably go back and hunt the rut there. Um, Where are you, you going know, for help? What state? I'll be in Utah.
0: Oh, you're going. Okay, Utah for your yep. elk, and You got your, yep. your meal to your tag.
1: Yep. Over the counter, so it didn't didn't draw the general, you know, or it didn't draw the limited entry I got, but I got a general over the counter tag, so
0: Is uh where did you kill your elk last Was it last year you killed your bull in Utah?
1: Yeah. Yep, over, over the counter the, unit.
0: Yep. Over the counter unit. Not yep. not the same unit, a different unit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it is the same unit.
1: Yep, same unit. Yep.
0: Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. You, yeah last you know, two years,
1: I haven't, haven't drawn the elk gods have not been real good to me on tags. So I've been, I've been going back to, you know, over the counter and and it's fun. Maybe it's a tough unit, super highly hunted, um, yeah. good population of elk, but I mean, it's tough, you know, it's, um,
0: a lot of people, right. in that unit,
1: a lot of people, um, calling's not the effective way to kill them. Yeah. I do a lot of my chasing bugles per se at three, four o'clock in the morning when it's completely dark out, you know, I try to locate them then, and then coyote the herd and, catch up to them as they're working back to dark timber to bed and stuff. So it's a little bit of a different yeah. game, but it's fun. I mean, you still hear a lot of bugles. It's just a different, you know, it's a different way to hunt elk. Um, but it's taught me a lot. You know, I mean, it's made mm-hmm. me a better elk hunter by not just relying on a bugle tube and a mouth read to sound like a hot, a hot cow. You know? Right, so I right. mean
0: Well, cool. But well hopefully we'll do a podcast on that on the normal working class uh bow hunter podcast series. Um so, Hey, thanks for joining me on episode two of this. Um, we are actually going to segue in here soon to our giant tracker segment. Hopefully you're able to join me on there. We'll see what time we can get on. Um, so that's going to be fun. Um, but no, I appreciate yeah. you being, uh, the, the guest number two or co-host more. If you were in person, we would call it co-host, but now that we had to zoom in, you were a guest.
1: Heck so. Yeah. I got to blame the knee for that. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't be more, uh, couldn't be more honored to be here on episode two, man. This is awesome. I'm uh, really looking forward to what the future holds for all of it.
0: Where can people find you if they're interested?
1: Yeah, man, Facebook, Clint Casper, Instagram, Casper, Clint, um, Peterson's bow hunting in every issue. Uh, usually once a month, I do at least one online article deal, um, podcast world, man, WCB and kind of all over the place, but pretty much home base, home base with Kurt and the gang and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm kind of all over the board as far as that stuff goes, but uh,
0: awesome, awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you for doing this again. I know we we could be in person, but you had to go yeah, all up. But I well,
1: know, I we'll know. Get,
0: we'll get you together. You had to just come in in a week, just fly in, and we'll get some stuff done. But absolutely. Um, look forward every- to it, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you like Clint here on Working Class on DeerCast. He's a good buddy of ours. And uh, I, I'm this is the second official segue, so I hope you enjoy this giant tracker segment. And this is where I say, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Go shoot a giant, appreciate you. All right, guys, episode two giant tracker segment. We are here with Trent Linder from Missouri, and thank you for doing this so last second. I know you're working today, uh, we're recording this on a Friday. And I got a hold of you, I got a hold of you earlier in the week. I'm like, dude, can you do it today? We're recording. And you're like, yeah, I'm all in. So I much appreciated.
2: Yes, sir. It's a great opportunity. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm Trent Linder. I'm uh, from St. Genevieve, Missouri. Uh, I started hunting when I was seven years old and it's just a passion of mine. I love being out there in the woods and mm-hmm. from there it evolved. I do a lot of trapping in the wintertime and it's nice. just very it's cool. Just a passion of mine. So
0: very cool. Well, I, we want to get to this buck and we're going to show some pictures. Actually the bucks behind you, which yeah. uh, is incredible, beautiful mount. Um, one of the questions that was sent from the boss man, Mark, he wanted to know cause he's familiar with your area um, from right around there. He wanted to know if you knew of any other deer in that area um, or know of any other deer in that area um, at any time that comes close to being that large. Cause it's, I, from what I understand, and one of our producers for working class, he's from that area as well. He's like, that's not known for big bucks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. As far as I know, uh, a buddy of mine's grandpa killed a deer early 1950s, somewhere in that time area. And it was, it was supposedly a little bit bigger than this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have, I haven't seen that deer, but it probably doesn't no, exist not. then. Right. <laughs> well, it, they have a mound of it, but, uh, i just i don't know how exactly how big it is uh, it's mm. a long time ago obviously but uh no this area just we just don't have deer like this there's a lot of people hunting around here uh we just don't get them to grow to this age class to produce what what's back there yeah so, uh, and he's
0: 193 and four eighths.
2: yes yep that's yes, insane sir. yeah he's he was a monster and to kill him 300 yards from my back porch at that is also awesome so tell
0: break down the story however you want to break it down man you can lie a little if you want or tell the truth it's (laughs) up to you
2: so uh i first learned of him lat well i guess that would be the 2019 season Mm -hmm. uh it's actually that summer uh i have we know all the neighbors around here and a buddy of mine he is actually a cousin to one of the neighbors and he was like hey look at this deer my my cousin's got Mm -hmm. so you know I looked at it and I was like you know it's pretty nice deer and we own right here by my house is 12 acres across the road is maybe 15 so we don't own a lot of ground so it's just a bottom field we got a strip of woods on the ridge the side of the ridge and then the top field is beans and that's the neighbors Mm -hmm. so I threw a camera up you know who knows maybe I'll catch them on camera I checked it that next weekend and he was, I mean, that first week he was there two or three different times. So he was obviously familiar with my ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the first time I've ever really put a camera up over the summer period in this area. So, uh, you know, it started from there. And that, that summer I got him regularly, you know, one to two times a week, nothing crazy. The, the top field was in corn corn that year. So he, he was, he was bouncing all around the neighbor kid kept getting pictures uh, they'd see him in the bean field bedded down and, uh, the neighbors up the road would get him on camera. And what, what was real neat about this deer, he would, he would summer right here by my house and he would travel two miles to the next big patch of woods or really the biggest patch of woods around here. And that's where he would rut, you know, do all the, that winter stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so the really, the only opportunity I had was that real early season before he he'd moved over there. Yep. So, uh, I hunted a few times there early season that 2019, and uh, I never seen him. Uh, never spotted him in person myself, had a lot of trail camera photos. But uh, he moved on in that winter, and I never seen him again. He was gone for months straight, and they had a bunch of pictures of him over there all winter long. Uh, nobody even seen him. There was one possible sighting of him, but uh, nothing real firm. Did anybody yeah. find
0: his sheds or anything? No, that
2: that was the other thing. Nobody found his sheds. I looked every possible place that I could around here and and I don't have a lot of woods and it's basically all fields. So I did what I could to try to find them and there was nothing here. And I guess it was probably it may be maybe middle March, middle April. He showed up back down here and just looked god-awful, looked like a, a doe almost. He just was skin and bones, just look ran down. And uh, from there, he just stayed here, he never left. I mean, he lived here all spring, all summer. I uh, I watched him from my driveway by my garage, I think five different times over the summer. No i got video footage of him through a spot and scope. Uh, I, I watched him one night for probably 30 minutes down there with a doe and a fawn, uh, just walking around feeding in the hayfield mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kept, kept inventory on him where he was moving from. And it was, it was a bean field up here last summer. So he, he was, he was a bean deer. He, that's where everybody's seen him. And, uh, actually the neighbor kid seen him up in that bean field almost full grown last year. And, uh, so from there I kind of put a game plan together. I actually sat on the neighbor's grain bin August 15th I believe it was and I videoed them for a solid hour that evening, feed up along the beans and the corn. No kidding. Yeah, yeah that was that was awesome. It's a good uh,
0: tactic if you got a grain bin. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it the way the land lays, it it's a holler that comes down and then it's the hillside up to the top bean field. So there's no good way to watch that bean field unless you're on top of a grain bin. So mm-hmm. that's what I ended up doing. I got some good footage of them.
0: if they call that a Midwestern mountain.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. So, uh, let's see from there, you know, I just trail cam fi- pictures kept rolling in and I say it was, he shed October or no October. Uh, what was it? August 31st. I had mm-hmm. a picture of him shedding, shedding velvet beans in his horns. And from there, he ghosted me. He he left. He was gone. The neighbors started getting pictures of him up two miles away, and he Just was can over I
0: there. For you go any further at this point, um, you know why you're filming them in velvet and watching them at that point in time. How many people besides like the neighboring properties knew about this deer?
2: Well, I was I was trying to keep them a secret, but <laughs> if, you, if you know my grandpa, it, it's pretty difficult. So me, the neighbor kids. They knew he was around, but they only had one velvet picture of him because mm-hmm. he, he lived right here behind my house because it was a bean field. We have spring water right here. We've got cover. He's got everything right here. So we didn't have to move like he had to in 2019 to get to them other bean fields. Yeah, So pretty well for majority of the summer, it was me and my buddy. That's all that knew about it and uh i'd say it was it was when he when he moved off was when everybody started to know about him Mm because they started getting pictures word got out and uh so he he yeah i'd say it was that time frame it was later right before season started Mm -hmm. so uh yeah from there they started getting pictures i was kind of just hopeless like okay he's gone for the year he's gonna do what he did last year but that changed so the I got a neighbor up behind me here. They had a bean field, and they actually watched him two nights, two nights, one week, the week before I killed him, actually. They watched him two evenings, in the bean field bedded down, and uh, he'd bed down and feed and whatnot. I just wouldn't come close enough for them to get a shot. Yeah. uh, From there, he moved back after that. For what reason, I don't know what made him come back, but it was – I think it was – it was one of the beginning of September there. He showed back up mm-hmm. and he, you know, left again and whatnot. And when he came back, I was actually hunting at my farm out. We have another farm out on the other side of the interstate. It's a couple miles away and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to do a little doe management out there. And my buddies were all calling me stupid for hunting out there when I had him on camera. And I was like, <laughs> well, you know I just want to play it safe as possible. I don't want to put pressure on him. Don't want to run them other deer out of here. And uh, so he showed back up and he, I had a thought in my mind. He showed up two days after the last picture. So I was like, maybe he's on a pattern. So I got in a stand, deer cast showed great. We had a cold front roll in. We had the North wind. Every Everything was perfect. Yeah. Laid out. And I got into the stand. I don't remember what time. But uh, it was probably an hour before dark. I look over to my left, and he all I see is his horn stuck up out of the beans. He was bedded down 80 yards from me all evening, and I had no idea.
0: <laughs> no kidding. Oh, yeah. man.
2: Yeah. You talk about nerve-wracking. And uh, so I'm, I'm <laughs> in disbelief. He's 80 yards away, bedded down. Well, when I seen him, I guess he stood up. The beans were just so tall I could see the top of his horns. Mm-hmm. You know, he scratched around on himself there. And he bet a bag down. And I'm freaking out. I mean, this is the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And uh, and uh, from in there. the county
0: since the 50s, apparently.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't see it very often around here. Yeah. So uh, the evening went on. And he actually stood back up, I don't know, half hour before dark. And he started feeding away from me. So at that point, I'm hopeless. You know, I got to do something to try getting him to come back because this might yeah. be the opportunity. I'm gonna what, what
0: day is this?
2: This is October 1st. Okay. Nice. So I actually had him on camera two days before that. And then the two days before that, and that's just a pattern I went off of. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So uh, he was feeding away and he got about a hundred yards out and I'm hopeless. And so I decide, well, maybe I'll, I'll throw a grunt at him. There ain't no other bucks in the area. He's mm. the King right here. Yeah. So let's, let's throw them out there and see what happens. Well, it was, it was windy enough where he couldn't hear me. So I'm freaking out about that too. So, uh, all of a sudden, for what reason, I have no idea. He just turns around and comes walking off the hill towards me. And, uh, he crosses through my lane at 40 yards and the beans got his vitals covered. So I'm not shooting. And I'm thinking he's going to walk down below me. Well, he just disappears behind a cedar tree across the fence yet. And I can hunt all the neighbors right there. And, I, I I was grunting at him the whole time he never could hear me well finally the wind died and I threw out I think I doe it. with followed with a couple of grunts and uh, next thing you know the stick cracks right there below me and he's 15 20 yards walking right under my tree <laughs> and so I draw back as quietly as possible and you know he walks at kind of angles back up to the beans and quarters away and 11 yards I stopped him and that's what she wrote. I uh, double lunged <laughs> him, and I watched him pile up at like forty yards from the stand. So,
0: no kidding.
2: Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, I bet mean- we
0: freaking out.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it's all I kind of a so. blur. Yeah, yeah, it's all kind of a blur. That whole evening after after that's a blur. Just it, it was incredible. So I uh, <laughs> I watched him fall. I knew where he, where he was at. So I packed my stuff up.
0: So hold on. I got to ask you this. You're up in the stand. You're freaking out. Like you just saw this happen and went down. So you, you have that confidence, that seal of approval that he's down. Cause if you yeah. don't see him fall, there's always like that little sliver. Yeah, exactly. Out in your mind, you know, and then you start yeah. like thinking all crazy. How many people did you call or text before you well, got down?
2: I, I forgot to include this. So I, I shot him and right away, I knew it was, it was, it was a perfect shot. Mm-hmm. And I watched him go down and I, and so the neighbor he, he caught wind of me hunting on him so he started hunting up the road here and I let out a scream when he went down and he actually heard me screaming and he he, he said I told myself I guarantee you he shot that freaking deer and uh, so I let out that scream and I right away I called my dad I said he's freaking down he's right here I watched him fall and he's like oh okay just you know let him go so uh, yeah, I called him first, called a couple other people, and uh, I then I got out and took off running down through the woods, ran down to the bottom field, and he picked me up down there. And uh, he, I think he was just as much in shock as I was.
0: Yeah, of course.
2: And uh, so we came back up, and I got uh, everything unloaded, and then we went back to get him. And then uh, from there, I, I sent out one picture to, like, three people, and from there – I think forty or fifty people probably showed up that evening.
0: Oh, to your and house?
2: Yeah, yeah. Every everybody in the freaking county was here. That's so, awesome, hey, yeah. talk, talk well, about
0: talk about picking that buck up for the first time. I just well, like those like snippets, you know.
2: Okay, so uh, you know, there's a lot of talk with me and. As, as he ventured away, I started showing a couple other buddies, and everybody everybody was all about score, you know, what's he score. So there was a lot of talk, and one buddy's like, oh, he's in the 190s, 180s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, there ain't no way. He just ain't that big. Not around here. So I, as soon as I walked up and we seen him or found him in the beans, that was, it was a little bit of a search because the beans were so tall. And I, and the first thing I said is he's definitely in the 190s, <laughs> and it it was it was unbelievable because I didn't believe he had that much mass, and just putting your hands on him, It's just even the pictures that I sent you, it just doesn't do him justice as the yeah. mass he has, and uh, you know, me and Dad walked up on him and picked him up, and we're hugging and jumping, and you know, every, awesome. all the emotions racing through your mind, you know. Yeah. It's a good feeling, but at the same time, it's kind of sad because you don't have nothing for to look forward to. So, yeah,
0: but now nah, it's pretty good. It outweighs, yeah, it. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's
0: pretty good, good outweighs and bad. So, yeah, definitely does. Yeah, so let's talk about you know, were people just showing up at your house without being like, Hey, man, I'm coming over to see your house? Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. Of course, yeah. come on, <laughs> let, me get,
0: let me guess, you were by the tailgate or you had them in the garage and you yep. were having a beer with that. I don't know how old yeah. you are. So yeah. uh, maybe you were having a, a Bush N A or whatever, or lining Kugel's in a, but uh, <laughs> you were having a good time. I bet. I bet oh, you yeah. were ready yeah. to, you know, yeah. knock some steam off and kind of enjoy the moment.
2: Oh yeah. We uh, we got up to the house with him and we had him on the bed of the truck. And my my grandpa lives right up next to me and he showed up. He knew all about him all summer long. Cause yeah. the, the biggest part of my whole summer was keeping him out of down there. Because my grandpa likes to cut trees.
0: Oh, yeah. Loves yeah, yeah. cutting
2: trees, loves splitting wood. And it took everything he wanted not to go down there all summer long. And the first thing he said to me was, well, I'll be down there tomorrow cutting up trees. That's
0: hilarious.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he, you know, they showed up. And from there, just people started rolling in like crazy. And uh, no, nobody, nobody gave any warning. They just showed up, which is perfectly fine. It, it was a yeah. good time. Uh, But everybody was celebrating. But at the same time, everybody that was hunting them up the road was kind of disappointed because they didn't need to go hunting the next day. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We had a heck of a crowd here that evening, and the first (laughs) thing they they brought out the tape and started scoring him and whatnot. And yeah, yeah, it was a good time all together. So
0: I bet, man, it's a stud. It's cool that he's like just right behind you there the whole time. Yeah,
2: that's cool. Right (laughs) over your shoulder. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs)
0: did you guys have a name for him when you did you name him did you, did you do that or
2: I, I would have but you know what i never the only thing i ever called him was big boy that's just what i said yeah obviously he's the biggest one around so that's kind of the name that i stuck with him yeah so that's what i kept on him but
0: did you have anybody throw anything at you as far as like county record for the year county this you know what i mean like any like
2: not no really, and you know, they, they talked about it, you know, that obviously it's the biggest deer killed in the county this year and probably mm-hmm. for a long time, whatever, and, uh, you know, they talked about it, but, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, congratulations, man, that's, that's a great story, um, you're yeah. really good at telling it, I'm sure you've told it a thousand times.
2: Quite a few, yes. Um,
0: <laughs> you actually, you seem like you've done a podcast or two without just calm, cool, and collective you <laughs> are, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, had a few interviews and whatnot. So. I can imagine.
0: How many? Like, what was there? Like, did you have magazines reach out and what people? Uh, no, words?
2: it was the, I guess Giant Tracker, obviously. Uh, yeah. I think real uh, something with real real tree, and then there's a couple of small Facebook, yeah, wow. whatnot and well, awesome stuff. Yeah, I did some yeah. interviews on them and whatnot. Nothing, nothing too crazy. So
0: yeah. Well, cool, uh, man. Well, congratulations.
2: Awesome. Yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you.
0: I yeah, appreciate you sharing your story and, uh, jumping on last second. And yes, man, that's just awesome, man. I'm, it's, it's <laughs> great to see people kill true giant deer. And then also be, you know, having the knowledge to really appreciate what it is, yes, sir. because I feel like every now and again, you see someone shoot a giant deer and they don't understand what yep. they have really, yep. um, Yeah. um, you know, and, and, you know, everyone kind of looks at that guy like, man, luck, but it's just being out there too you yeah. know i mean you obviously were you were pretty calculated you know you had a good pattern and you made your move when you made mm-hmm. your move and it worked out for you so good yeah. work
2: yeah and at that you know the other thing that's pretty crazy about it and makes it a little better is it's the home farm mm-hmm. you know it's 12 acres and it's right behind the house i mean yeah my closest trail camera picture of him was like 100 yards from the back porch so that's awesome that's crazy. yeah that, that that makes it also real sweet so
0: yeah i can imagine man well very cool thank you so much for this. Um, so if you want to plug anything, your Instagram or anything like that, feel free. If you don't care, that's fine too. So
2: I no, I'm good. I love it. it. I'm good. I Um, don't do the Instagram deal. I got Facebook, whatnot, but, uh, I'm, I'm pretty simple guy. So
0: that's great man. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Clint, thank you for jumping on episode two. Uh, thank you everyone for viewing, listening, all that. Uh, Trent, you're the man and congratulations, man. So yeah, I thank you for
2: having me. I appreciate it. It's an awesome thing to do. So,
0: Kill a bigger one this year, man.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm trying. It's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a hard buck to top, my man. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Got I'm that still right, trying
0: to man. kill one that big in Illinois where big bucks live.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or are yeah. known
0: to live. Um, yeah. So, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on episode three. Appreciate you. Go you to giant.